It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down Hey folks, obviously by now you've heard the massive announcement we're going to make. So this is the 201st episode of American Loser. So welcome back, guys, to a shared universe podcast studio in Red Bank, New Jersey, where the great Ming Chen takes pretty good care of us. I won't lie, man. I won't lie. Behind the ones and twos, of course, none other than the big kahuna. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm very good, sir. Did you know four years ago when we recorded the second episode of the show, we had a massive first episode that we ever did. Uh, we're very excited about it. We did it on President Grover Cleveland. And in the very next episode, we did the assassination of President Garfield by Charles... And Gatow. Charles J. Gatow. <laughs> and with us for that one was, of course, my cousin Kelly, who's back in studio with us. You've been with us a couple other times, too. Kel, welcome back. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. No I'm problem. glad you're here, lady. It's uh, You were on the second episode ever, and then when I finally learned how to upload them properly on my own, um, technically, I forgot the order, and I made you the first episode <laughs> of the show ever. So technically, you're on the first and second episodes of the show that ever happened. That's interesting, because I'm just learning that now, and that was four years ago. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, and it was not uh, not by design. It was just uh, more of my nonsense uh, foolery, if you will. I'm not <laughs> great with technology. Not quite as bad as your father. Uh, Uncle Bobby's pretty bad oh, with horrible. it. horrible. But... <laughs> I will uh, I will also say it was four years ago where you made the mistake of being like, hey, what do you think? Oh, shit. Uh, and Kahuna's <laughs> become family ever since then. And by the way, also ushering in uh, the recurring theme of us bringing in cousins on the show and uh, therefore uncles and aunts and everybody else, too. Kelly was the first guest ever on the show. Ah, that's oh true. yeah ever ever <laughs> i kind of thought at that time maybe i had a chance of being the guest and then you decided to go with all the cousins and that's cool but i was like wait what if i what if i got she saved it at the end there but man did i get a little bit concerned for a hot second <laughs> Ellie, we actually we do to de you deserve part of the money that we've made on this show so if we ever make money on it i guarantee you <laughs> not looking for money it's just fun it is fun. And you're always good on the air, too. And you're one of my favorite people. Great sense of humor, too, by the way. And and Kahuna. She happens to also be uh, a subject matter expert, if you will, on all things uh, specific to the Tudors, but also yeah. the, the English royals in general. Ooh. Mostly so. the Tudors. Uh, They're the most I fascinating. I know a little bit about the currents also, but That's the Tudors are so fascinating to me. Well, they're the most um, the most prolific family when it comes to the English crown, for sure. And my father, the uh, the agoraphobe that he is, um, the uh, xenophobe that he is, <laughs> would say, uh, oh, they're not, he's, this guy's not American. We can't do the episode about him. But this is a fun exercise into operating just slightly outside. So it's actually a North American loser here today. Oh. And it comes off of namesakes and stuff like that. But I was just curious. You're a nice American girl. Okay. You grew up in New Jersey. You got some uh, New Hampshire, uh, New England roots to you. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, I've known you my whole life. But where did your interest in the uh, the royals, specifically the Tudors, come from? Because there are a lot of movies and TV shows made about them. Well, I accidentally read The Other Balloon Girl, like just started to read it, needed a book, <laughs> and it was amazing. And then I watched the show The Tudors. Mm -hmm. um, 
Then I went to London and looked for everything King Henry, King Henry VIII I could find. What's and your then, dog's name, Kelly? His name is Henry. And I brought him <laughs> home on April 8th. No shit. I yeah. didn't know that part. Yeah, he's a King Charles Spaniel, so we had to go with a royal name. He's a very regal-looking dog, he too, is. mind you. He is. Yes, now, now, just mind so just just imagine it that Kahuna pretends and acts to be very stupid. The two, so I don't know much about I I'm surprised I don't know much about what you're talking about. I'm I'm assuming just British monarchs. So yes, uh in short what we're going to do is uh and, and you can't really world history takes so much you want to look into one specific thing but then there's like a century's worth of build you up. You fall down to the it. rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. And if you're not willing to to do all the research, you can come across as very very confused here. So in terms of the the British uh royalty it's the different families that are in play, you know, the monarchs of the time and stuff. The Tudors being, and you're going to know some of the names here in a second, absolutely. Oh, yeah, totally. you you so. mentioned one already that I was like, oh, I know that name, but I just I didn't know what the the associated with the word Tudor was. Oh yeah, that's the family name. So like the Burke oh, family okay, or uh, okay. the Kahuna family. Oh okay, so it's like Henry Tudor. Yeah, uh, it is. It literally is. There's oh. architecture named after him, right? Mm -hmm. the Tudor style home. And the uh, there's okay. two of the most famous monarchs. I'll tell you what, Coney, this would actually be fun for us to uh, to ask you on this one. And I know Kelly's going to have different answers because she's read and been there. And by the way, I'm so jealous that you got to go to. Oh. Are they, do they understand, they have their own fascination with their own history the same way we do with theirs, right? Because our thing is, you know, somewhere between um, the uh, thinking like, oh, we all come from the same place originally and Harry Potter. We have a weird like fantasy obsession <laughs> with them over there where we all think they're they're wizards of some sort, but. They're all into it as well? Well, the funny thing is when we were there, um, people told us that they are obsessed with the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> Which unfortunately is kind of our first family. Yeah, it really is. I thought that was funny that someone told me that. I would have thought the Hiltons would have been more so than the Kardashians. I don't know. Well, the Kardashians have a television show that they're all watching. Yeah, that's true. Oh my all God, those marriages are arranged so too. So kind of like the royals. That's interesting. <laughs> I get it. You have to be... Uh, not high-born, but brand-born in order to, be able to go over there. Uh, it's, uh, that one's interesting, actually. So I'm curious here. So Kel's going to know some stuff. Kahuna, if you had to name any English monarchs ever. Don't put me up against an intellect. No, 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 no. Silly. <laughs> You're going to like this, too, because if you do the, the most common names, I would say, there's a couple of them, and there are different eras in architecture that, uh, as Kelly was kind of alluding to. Yeah, because you're like, oh, I'm going to name just, like, all over the place, like You're King, know King, this. King Henry, King Henry the Eighth. Boom, nailed it. Well, he's the most, yeah, and yeah, the and then first, no, second tutor, the second tutor. So he's of that lineage that you're talking about. Oh, okay. So you nailed it. Yeah. If, if you had to guess another one, <laughs> Queen Elizabeth. No, nailed it. Two for two, Kahuna. Wait, what? Yep. First Queen Elizabeth. Though. <laughs> okay, listen. Uh, I'm not. I'm just. You know what? I'm two for two. We're good. Exactly. No, stop there. I'm just stopping <laughs> right there. Take the win. I'm taking the win. Well, it's interesting you mentioned them because King Henry VIII, and this is just the background of the story before we get into the story. And the story is not about the royals themselves, but Kelly has a lot of knowledge on this one too. Uh, the Other Boleyn Girl was a great movie that was made to kind of cover some of the stuff here. The show The Tudors, I have not watched it. My, my sister says it's great. She watches it in her cell block all the time. Um, <laughs> but she's killing it. Um, Henry VIII, fascinating guy. What? what do they reveal him? I'm sorry. Do they uh, consider him like a good guy or just a charismatic figure? Is he got a villain to him in when they present that part of their history to you? Um, 
Meanwhile, while I was in London, did they present him? Yeah, like how did, what's their take um, on him? Because we romanticize him sometimes or villainize him if we want to. We just like toured all different places. We didn't really talk to anyone about King Henry VIII, but you can go um, to the Tower of London and Ooh, see. Ooh, that'll like, make an appearance in today's story. Yeah, you could see his armor. I mean, they have. Tower of Torture at London. Yeah. His, um, by the way, his armor is on view at the, I believe it's at the Met in New York City. You can go see it. And I remember seeing it and saying it was, I could fit in it. So that's, it was nice to know they have relaxed fit armor. It was made me feel better about my body type. But uh, their story is pretty interesting. Henry VIII is a wild dude. He's one of those figures that comes through history. And I'm going to say it's not – I'm not making the comparison like they're the same thing, but there are people that are forces of nature. And I'm going to say that definitely for King Henry VIII here. So Henry VIII is not in this story particular, okay, but his daughter obviously comes into this one, his daughter being – the one associated with our topic? Oh, yeah. Elizabeth, baby. Okay. Elizabeth I, daughter of Anne Boleyn. So it's interesting, too, because uh, just to give people the – do you want to just give them a summarization? Because normally if my oh, dad was I don't here. Know. <laughs> you know what this story is, though, is that Anne Boleyn, obviously, one, uh, a beautiful girl, um, the cent- not the central figure, one of the central figures of the other Boleyn girl. Um, she's played by Natalie Portman in that one. I'm trying to remember the movie. Um, I never watched the movie. I just read the book. Gotcha. So you're reading the real stuff. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The uh, the catch with them is that they have uh, Anne Boleyn, who's a very pretty girl, and her father is very ambitious and wanted to get her married off, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, yeah. Please interrupt me when I'm not. So father was definitely ambitious. He was kind of like a... a Chris Kardashian type thing. Look how beautiful my daughters are. Oh my That's God. That's a very good comparison. <laughs> um, so they set it up so that she winds up marrying King Henry VIII, but I, I believe tries to pimp out the older daughter first. Yes. Doesn't go so well. No. Doesn't catch King Henry's. Uh, so Anne Boleyn um, is coy and, you know, mm-hmm. makes him work for it. So he ends up falling madly in love with her because of that, I feel. So the motto is, you know, make a guy work for yep. it, right? Make yep. him sweat a little bit. That's the move. But he was married to Catherine of at Aragon. the time. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, now she gets uh, King Henry will go through how many wives? I'm trying to remember. Six. Six wives. And Anne Boleyn is the second? Second. Yep. Second. So there's going to be a couple others in here. Um, but obviously Anne Boleyn has, uh, gives him a daughter. Uh, and the reason why he keeps having so many wives is because he's determined to try to have a son, which I don't think he ever does, does he? He did. He did? He did. Um, Edward, King Edward was his son, but he was very sick. And ended uh, up dying, gotcha. but he was like a child king. Oof. And then Mary, Bloody Mary, mm-hmm. with his daughter, with Catherine of Aragon. <laughs> Who was uh, Spanish. Yeah. That, that'll come into play here in a second, too. We're giving you guys, you don't know, we're giving you some zeitgeist to this one. So King Henry VIII running around, he's slinging dick around town, folks. It's just <laughs> what he does, okay? He's, he's a king. He's definitely, he's got a Leo DiCaprio thing that girls turn 25, he moves on. But, you know, it's a little bit you know, meaner because DiCaprio, oh, Kahuna's already got his head buried in his hands. I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> oh, we went right for it. Oh, man. Well, what happens with him is that it's not like Leo DiCaprio where they move on to the next part of their life or whatever. A lot of these women, unfortunately, you're going to see get either divorced. Um, he uh, disavows some of the marriages. Well, Anne Boleyn, he divorces her from her head. Um, yeah, that's yeah, the that's, that's the, the meanest one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she winds up being killed. And uh, But it's interesting, though, because in her death almost, now her daughter comes around, who I would say, I'd probably put Elizabeth as the most important monarch. It's between her and Henry VIII for who's the most important monarch in English history, I would say. Mm-hmm. I think those two are like those well, big But wasn't names. Queen Victoria important? Extremely. I don't know a lot about her, but... 
Well, she's another one of those royals, like you said, that got um, a form of architecture yes, named yeah. after her. Yep, Victorian-style homes after yeah. Queen Victoria. This one I thought was interesting because we're going to talk about naming stuff, Kahuna. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and this story today truly has it all. Politics, passion, pirates, execution, spooky moments, epic last words, and a severed head in a bag. Sounds like a movie starring Joe Pesci, but it's actually <laughs> the life story of today's North American loser, <laughs> Sir Walter Raleigh. Raleigh, North Carolina. See, he put it together right away, didn't he? Uh, okay. All right, cool. Oh, yeah. So uh, real quick, Kel, did you know anything about him off the top of your head? Um, I I did peek a little bit about him. <laughs> uh, don't know a lot. My family's so polite on the show, too, by the way. But the interesting thing to me is that he was the governor of Jersey. Yep. Governor of Did Jersey. I ruined something for you by saying that before you. Jersey, not New Jersey. Not New Jersey, yeah, but Jersey. That everything's New Jersey it re- it, with you. She, she got it in there. So, right out there in the open. I'm sorry, Pat Dowd. And Pat Dowd, one of our great friends on the show, your super amazing artist, Coast Guard uh, veteran as well. Um, he sent me some hand drawn uh, stuff of uh, my dad and then Eddie and everything like that, too. Super talented guy. And we got, we bust his chops nonstop because he always goes, oh, I guess everything has to come back to Jersey. And right there, Cousin Kelly proved it New Jersey, the center of the universe. That just when I saw that, I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> the governor of Jersey. By the way, Jersey is in the, the Jersey, the Channel Islands out there, which I do think if you go there, as you pull up, it should just look like a, a, a tropical island where they're just playing uh, techno music. And just like, are you, do you smell self-tanner? I smell self-tanner. Where are we? <laughs> it's Jersey. <laughs> oh but uh, interestingly enough, Cahoons, I remember walking around St. Augustine, Florida during my uh, Jacksonville days. And I was enjoying the gorgeous coast of Florida while I was standing next to a structure known as Castillo de San Marcos, which is a, it's really cool down there. I don't You've never been, right? No. You got to go to St. Augustine if you can. It's worth it just for a day trip alone. It's worth it. It's one of the underrated gems and one of the top three most haunted cities in the entire United States. But uh, St. Augustine, Castillo de San Marcos, it is a Spanish-built fort, and they made it out of crushed seashells. I thought that was fascinating. That is. And it's strong enough that it used to repel uh, a fired cannon, that a cannon would shoot, bounce up against the seashells, and then get shot <laughs> back into the water with doing no damage. It was. It had to be like, you know. With some good sound effects or something like that, a good a Kahuna sound effect and maybe some animation, we could uh, do something it's with very that. very cartoony right off the bat. Yeah, oh, yeah. Without a doubt. That, yeah. It's too funny. So, But you got to see this gorgeous uh, structure out there. And just like Florida itself, it changed hands depending on who was in charge. So that means it was a Spanish fort, then it was a French fort, then it was an English fort, then it was maybe a Spanish fort again for a hot second, and then it became an American fort. And then the pirates took it over a couple of times too. So St. Augustine and specifically Amelia Island is always changing hands. And uh, so that being the focal point here, you're going to understand where I'm at in a second. In this beautiful place where people are taking photos with their families um, near this gorgeous old fort or uh, maybe making an an ill-fated proposal to the girl they were living with at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a beautiful place and a beautiful location. And uh, people are doing all these things here and they don't know the history of the place. So because it's gorgeous weather and because it's beautiful architecture – you're taking pictures at a place called Matanzas Bay, which in Spanish translates to slaughter, slaughter bay. Yes. Right out there on the inlet within view of uh, the old city of St. Augustine, the French would sometimes capture the Spanish or the English would capture the French or whoever was going to be, and they would just do these mass murders over there, beheadings and people would be executed over there. And it became known as uh, slaughter bay, if you will. So 
unfortunately, that, that's one of those first times where I'm like, well, hang on, what does every, where does everything else get their meaning from? Why are they calling it that? Because we wouldn't go take pictures at Massacre Bay, but if you put <laughs> no. Matanzas on it, we can romanticize it because we have a, a, a fetish, if you will, for all things um, uh, foreign. <laughs> He's not wrong. So uh, in this particular one, the city of Raleigh, you wonder where you get, you know, where's he get? Oh, named after Sir Walter Raleigh. And I was like, oh, cool. The guy from those Elizabeth movies starring Kate Blanchett, right? <laughs> that has, that, he's a pretty cool guy. He was like a hero. He was kind of like a Jedi Knight dude back in the day or whatever. Seems like a cool guy. Then you start reading about how his life ends and it makes no sense at all. It's terrifying, in fact. So. As per usual, I do a little bit of reading and I wind up learning too much where I wish I knew less, but I don't. So we're going to romanticize a person, place, an event in history. It's common, but as this show has taught you over the four years, history does not exactly end where the textbooks may leave you. Nope. And uh, that will enter in today's loser, Sir Walter Raleigh. I hear Sir Walter Raleigh and I think Explorer, but Kahuna, did you know anything about him before the episode today? Uh, no. Just Raleigh, North Just Carolina? Just Raleigh, North Carolina, to be honest with you. Right. And Kelly, you knew some of the stuff about his early going on because he is coming from what we would call the Elizabethan era. Yeah. I only really knew that he was an explorer and then I saw the Jersey thing and was hysterical. But... The governor of Jersey. <laughs> he is um, a soldier, an insurrectionist, a war criminal, a hero, a pirate, a writer, an explorer, and a government official. In that order? Well, he also was a writer on top of that, too. So it depends on which part of his life yeah, you want to focus a, on. You're always a fucking writer. You're like throughout, throughout Back life. Then. I'm curious, like, I'm curious the flow of events for the rest of the story. Oh, it gets weird, man, because we don't know much about his early life. But as soon as his name gets uh, well enough to put into print, it became like, like, honestly, the name is relevant throughout his entire life. If you try to make a movie about him, I think this is what the Elizabeth movie screwed up on, too, Cal, is that... Um, they're okay movies, but I remember sitting there. I was like, that's not how that went down. There's no way that it was that bad. Let me see what this is. And you find out the movie is riddled with stuff that they conveniently left out because it makes Elizabeth look really bad. Yes. And then other stuff that they put a spin on because there was a big uh, anti-Catholic movement at the time. That was right when the stuff was going down with um, the, the exposure of uh, all the cover-up work that they did for a lot of the sexual abuse allegations and stuff. So it was a very pro, let's smash the Catholic church thing. So they there was overcorrections done there and stuff. It was a very noble effort, the movies. But when I realized what they tried to portray, and I believe Clive Owen plays Sir Walter Raleigh in the movies, they lied so bad in those movies that I, I, I was screaming as I was reading on Wikipedia at 2 o'clock in the morning, no, no! <laughs> I can't believe they left this stuff out. Imagine if they tried to make Star Wars and you saw Star Wars and it was about uh, Darth Vader being a loving father trying to raise his two <laughs> kids by himself. And you're like, well, that just ruined everything. And you're like, yeah, yeah, because we know the real story, right? That's the kind of Disney spin that they tried to put on Elizabeth for those. Well, all spin about – because she's the virgin queen, which is the opposite of what she actually <laughs> was. Yeah, they uh, – <laughs> it winds up being interesting too because uh, namesakes are going to come in here a lot. So obviously the city of Raleigh, North Carolina, is named after Sir Walter Raleigh who also in terms uh, will wind up naming uh, Virginia, mm -hmm. which interestingly enough is the one part of North America he never makes it to, okay? But he names Virginia after uh, the Virgin Queen, Queen right. Elizabeth, who, as you said- Who he was probably banging. So. That was rumors. There were rumors. <laughs> so to name it for Virginia after a virgin that you're banging is pretty funny. It's uh yeah, but uh, thank God too because uh, um, Whore Island just sounded so much worse. <laughs> we named Whore Island after our Whore Queen. 
This is terrible. Oh. Oh. But if there's a nice Spanish word for it, it'll still be good and people yes, will take their pictures believe- there and get engaged and all that fun stuff. It translates to only fans bay. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Um, interestingly enough, so it's it's strange too because we're talking about royalty. Now they're the untouchables, right? You can't it, in terms of marriage and stuff. There's no way. So that, I think a lot of people's obsession with the royals also comes from Diana, because she was a common woman, if you will, who was mm-hmm. that was a real life princess story to a lot of people, and she herself was also a fantastic, like just what a great story and a pretty lady, and uh, a lot of a lot of thoughts, a lot of challenging of the the, the old guard, if you will. She's kind of a huge figure as well, culturally, and she should be. Um, but she was uncommon because she was a common person marrying into the royalty here. So this is what I thought was kind of interesting. Sir Walter Raleigh came from money originally, but not a lot of money. And his money was known in uh, because the family was rich in lands, but not in capital. They were known as a part of the gentry class, which I thought was interesting. So it's like, uh, oh, hey, uh, I make six figures a year. And you're like, oh, cool. What do you do? And it's like, if it's not in finance, they don't want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it's people keeping their own little worlds here. So it's uh, it's ladder climbing. It's gross. It's a caste system of sorts. But so Sir Walter Raleigh is going to come from money, but he's going to do some amazing things in his life. And he's never exactly going to be completely welcomed into that upper aristocracy um, of the royals, if you will. But he comes from uh, some money, but not respected money. He's born in Devon, England, originally. Uh, his family rich in lands, not in capital. Raleigh will study, however, at Oxford before joining up with the Huguenot army that will fight on the side of the Protestants during the French religious wars. I hate to do this because I would always sit there and say, if my father was here, he's down in Miami being South Beach Larry. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to say, Dad, what is the French religious wars? But we don't have an hour and a half for his dissertation on it. So in short, what you have to know is this. Before, um, yeah, before you had the, the issues, uh, uh, the Sunnis and the Shiites, if you will, in the Islamic world, you had the Protestants and the Catholics, and that is as contentious as it was getting. This is the, this is the, the, the nuclear atom going off here, if you will, uh, of the tension between those two uh, established religions. The Huguenots being the Protestants over there, and then obviously France was um, cap- um, Catholic, I almost said capitalist, <laughs> different revolution. Um, but those two uh, groups are actually going to be religious groups. They're going to fight each other because there's an argument that goes all the way back, literally all the way back to Charlemagne and the first pope and the Holy Roman Empire. So there's always beefs going on with these people. All that being said, the French religious wars, the English were on the side of the Protestant religion because guess what? King Henry VIII, you know the story, right? Yeah. <laughs> He wanted a divorce. The Pope goes, no. And what's Henry VIII do? He starts his own religion. <laughs> he placed himself at the head of the Protestant religion. So it's now the Church of England. Protestant, you know, it can be a Protestant, part of the Church of England. And the head of that is the king, which completely undermines the original agreement they had for the Holy Roman Empire when I believe it was Charlemagne. Um, this idea was he was going to be made the Holy Roman Emperor, the, the man chosen by God to rule on earth. And uh, then the Pope said, well, who gets to crown him? Because I'm the messenger of God. So that was the beef between um, the Holy Roman Empire and the Vatican started right then and there of who gets to crown who. Well, you're not crowning me, so I'm actually the one giving you the power. So that beef goes all the way back there. Religion is, unfortunately, a byproduct of it is always going to be tension and uh, uh, conflict. So all that being said, King Henry VIII winds up putting himself at the head of that church over there. That causes this long fallout that's going to go crazy here. There's a French religious war going on between the Catholics and the Protestants, of which... Uh, our boy, Sir Walter Raleigh, goes over to France and starts getting involved. And so that, that's where you want to find like real bloody Sunday stuff. And, uh, you know, 
uh, Kelly and I are both Irish, so we've um, we we were both schooled up by the same people mm -hmm. on what it meant to be Irish in America. So the Irish faith um, and Catholicism is a uh, uh, tales kind of intertwined, a little bit of peanut butter and jelly there, if you will. But Sir Walter Raleigh is an interesting guy. He is a tall, good-looking guy. He's a tough dude from a well-off background, but he is out there looking to make a name for himself. So this is a very turbulent time in English history. The religious wars are going on. It's seen great violence since the reign of the Catholic, aforementioned by Kelly here, Bloody Mary. Mm -hmm. They made her look like Emperor Palpatine in those movies, by the way. They made her look like she was the devil incarnate. She was Bloody Mary. There's a lot of bad stuff. You shouldn't burn Protestants at the stake, okay? Mm -hmm. um, but there was also a lot. It was definitely overdone, and it was done to contrast because they wanted to create this idea that Elizabeth was going to be this chosen one type figure. And there's so much good shit that she wound up doing. I didn't think that they needed to embellish further what was already a pretty fantastic life, but uh, this will be on our, our movie review podcast. We're going to start up yeah. soon. <laughs> <laughs> so Sir Walter Raleigh, again, good looking guy over here. He's over there fighting right now. Uh, Catholic Bloody Mary is on the throne and his own family, because they're Protestants, they're in fear of her because she's rounding up. She's not, not necessarily in a Hitler type level, but she is rounding up some Protestant people and having them put into camps or maybe a chance to repent and convert kind of a thing. You're not too far removed from uh, the Spanish Inquisition type stuff going on here. Spain is firing on like next level Catholic cylinders here at this time. And they're the other big fearful power in the time because they had a great Navy as well. So Britain and Spain are kind of staring each other down. Tensions with uh, between England and France are kind of cooling off a little bit to this time. But also France is juggling back and forth between Protestant and Catholic. And eventually they're just going to get over religion altogether, which is kind of interesting. But that's for another episode as well. So Queen Elizabeth is eventually going to ascend to the throne over here, which is great because guess what? Sir Walter Raleigh, he doesn't really like the Catholics all that much. His own father had to hide in a tower for, I think, months on end because there was a bunch of uh, Catholic troops there that were trying to round him up to bring him before Bloody Mary. So his own father very well could have been one of the people getting burned at the stakes or executed in London. A little bit of um, a Joffrey... Uh, you know, Game of Thrones kind of a thing. You got to hide out from, stay away from this mad king. He keeps having people killed and stuff. So there's a schism going on between the Vatican and England over here. I'm telling you all this. We can get right into the heart of the story here. Here are the motivations for today's loser. He is anti-Catholic. Okay. Uh, he comes from some money. And now a Protestant queen, Queen Elizabeth, has now taken the throne from Bloody Mary, which is pretty great. Okay. Kind of the idea being, hey, we're, we're bringing in a new regime here. Things are going to quiet down, hopefully. Not right away. So uh, what winds up happening is that Raleigh will actually be speaking rather publicly. He's an outspoken dude for his time. You know, when they talk about like women's, uh, it is, it's March, it's Women's History Month right now. There's so many times where it's like, uh, you'll read it and you're like, oh, that was controversial. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, this, this woman decided not to wear gloves on a Thursday. And you're like, oh, that's not that crazy. Why are we celebrating? And you're like, oh, she was put to death for it. And you're like, hang on, what? <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> so... um He's pretty outspoken over here. He's openly anti-Catholic. So what's the best way to kind of endear yourself to that? He already fought with the Huguenot army. He's kind of a tough dude over here. And guess what? That troublesome little island off the coast of England, another one that you've been to, I believe. Ireland? You've been to Ireland. Yeah. It's a <laughs> very jealous of the history on that mm -hmm. one. Um, but that troublesome little island off the coast of England has got a few too many savages to it. Um, did you, of course, there's savages exactly. in Ireland. <laughs> did you get into the term... Um, uh, and, and it's tough because I, I love talking to your dad, but I also have to be prepared for um, uh, the conversation to go off in three different directions, all of which fun. And then come back to the same yes, place. And the conversation to be held in Gaelic. Um, 
But did uh, you ever hear about, when, especially when you're over there, the, the term the Irishry? No, I don't think so. I thought this was interesting. The Irishry was kind of like the way we would talk about like voodoo practitioners. If you're like, oh, yeah, they got a little bit of that Santeria to them. Mm -hmm. The Irishry was something that scared them because part of it was also a little bit of like a guilt feeling too, I think, of going over there and conquering Ireland and taking them over and uh, making their own culture illegal, stuff like that. The statues of Kilkenny. Um there's so many different things there. I know Tyler Prysock's eyes just popped up. His name's Murphy's Wake on Instagram, by the way. Di huge Irish fan. He, If we sat him down with your dad, uh, the two of them would probably talk until like somebody had to you know, call time out and bring in food or something. I think it should happen, actually. He's down in Alabama, though. So get on up to Jersey, fella, will you? Um, but they're over there in Ireland right now. And there's this fear of the Irishry, that being their savage stuff, where it's like, oh, they're into, uh, they would say like uh, human sacrifice or whatever, but really it was about the Druids and all that other stuff. So they're troublesome over there. And the other thing is that there's a lot of rebels over there. There's always throughout Ireland's entire history, it's just one uprising after the other. And then finally the uprising, the end all uprisings that starts a civil war. So not a great track record for them. There's always a fight going on over there. Always a Donnybrook to be had, if you will. Um, <laughs> But all that being said, they're over in Ireland now. It's this troublesome place, and there's way too many Catholics over there. So that's what's going to happen over here. And in fact, the Vatican, I did not know this. This actually cracked me up. It was known as the, the Desmond Rebellions or the Desmond Uprisings. And I did a, in fifth grade, I wrote a country report on Ireland. You know exactly what I'm about to say. <laughs> wrote a country report for Miss Fano's class um, about Ireland. And your dad, Uncle Bobby, came in in full uh, full kilt and full regalia and played the bagpipes for my class. And it got me the only A++ I've ever gotten in oh, my entire nice. life. Oh, yeah. I killed it for that. Gave a good presentation. Uh, and a couple of things we talked about in there that you know would be the big, the massive uprising in 1916 and all this other stuff. But this Desmond uprising is one of the ones that gets skimmed over a little bit. I did not know this. The Vatican was so keen to try to help Ireland remain Catholic as the British were, again, putting in more and more of their uh, efforts and influences over there. Uh, and again, also selling off the lands as plantations and stuff and robbing people of uh, you know what would be there. If you treat the Irish like Native Americans and then you treat the British Empire as the expanding American West, it's similar. Mm -hmm. it, it's not perfect, but it's similar. Um, but anyway, what winds up happening is is that uh, we're going over there and, uh, you know, not where, I shouldn't say that. Um, the English are going over there and they're asserting their influence and doing forced conversions to the Protestant religion. And the Pope is so concerned about that that he kind of quietly dispatches about 700 soldiers, you know, uh, bounty hunter types, if you will, the uh, these you know, badass dudes, mercenaries that are going to go over there and help the Irish defend themselves so that they don't have to convert to the faith. And it's all Italian and Spanish soldiers. So you've heard the term black Irish before? Yep. That that would be where those features are coming from is all these Spanish soldiers getting sent over there, Italian guys. <laughs> and Italians and Irish, that's pretty common in North Jersey, I think. Definitely. That's, <laughs> with uh, Kelly gave me my two, uh, two of my favorite people, my uh, my little uh, half Italian cousins. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, they wind up going over there, and Sir Walter Raleigh is proving himself on the battlefield. They overthrow this little garrison full of these guys in this Desmond uprising over here. And uh, what happens is technically a war crime. Sir Walter Raleigh actually helps get all these people executed once they finally capture them. The the siege that goes on over at uh, one of those crazy Irish names with like 19 vowels in it. Um, 
they go ahead and they have everybody who is in there. I think it's like 700 Spanish and Italian soldiers that are there to fight alongside the Irish Catholics. Um, they, Sir Walter Raleigh assists in making sure they're all beheaded and executed for their port. You know, they're part of it. It's bad. It's, I didn't know that. It's a war crime. It's a war crime. So what happens? Of course, because of the war crime, he gets sentenced to be beheaded by that. Nope, not yet. Uh, he actually gets <laughs> knighted and given lands in Ireland for this. So all in all, he's having a pretty good 1585, I would say. <laughs> um, he winds up being knighted. So again, this is a guy who came from the landowner class, which is not that it's high up. Don't get me wrong. This is not like a blue collar guy, you know, ascending to uh, Wall Street money. This is a guy coming f- you know, from a wealthy background, if you will. And then increasing his own fortune and fame. So he's now a lord in Ireland. And then he gets knighted by the queen herself. And he literally becomes Queen Elizabeth's favorite. Yes. So did you know anything else about that one too? Their relationship? Because you you kind of alluded to it. There were rumors that they were banging. <laughs> I just think she had a, many different favorites over her life. And he just happened mm-hmm. to be one of them. Oh, and again, he's a, a tall, handsome guy. He was well-spoken. They said he was funny. Uh, as we get to the last chapter of his life, he's actually hysterical in a couple of the things he said. Like it's, you could see, and uh, you have a great mind for this as well. And we'll ask the kahuna too when he gets back in. Um, who would play him in a movie? If you were to try to do a movie about Sir Walter Raleigh, it would be a very fun exercise. So if you can think of anybody, you know, at the end of the episode, I'll throw back to you for that. So, um, Raleigh's going to do some interesting things here. It's 1585. Again, he's got lands in Ireland now that he's been given. He owns lands back home in England as well from his ancestral home, if you will. Uh, It's 1885. Two years later, with lands and titles now, he's going to be sent by Queen Elizabeth, who has already at this point, he's definitely a rising star in her court, if you will. When you show up and you introduce tobacco for the first time, that's like the kid who has beer for the party in high school. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you don't care that it's, you know, Mike's Hard Lemonade or, uh, you know, uh, uh, Amstel Lights, but you'll sit there and enjoy yourself. So he gets sent by Queen Elizabeth to explore a little phenomenon known as North America, where Raleigh will do the most American thing possible. And he will name Virginia a place he's never been after the Virgin Queen, like we said, because I'm going to go back to it. Whore Island, not a great name. <laughs> not great for it's great for tourism, but not if you want to get women to go there too. Um, <laughs> picture the New World discoverers, the people who discover the New World. Picture them, if you will, Kahuna, as kind of astronauts in this new space age. So I mean, that is the closest comparison you can get. In I think this it's time fair. Period. Yeah, I think it's fair. It's um. Because you got this thing going on and all these countries are like, well, we're a great country over here. What's going on over there? How come we're not over there? So all it takes is one person to go over, whether it be the Vikings, whether it be Columbus and Columbus, by the way, hilariously being an Italian that sailed for Spain and all that other stuff. So it's about who's got the money. OK, who's got the money to send people over there? And of course, the first thing they do, and it's it's almost reminiscent. I was thinking about, uh, about it this way. You seen the movie Aliens? Alien? Yeah, well, Alien and then the sequel that James Cameron did, okay. Aliens. No, I never saw the sequel. It is the greatest action movie I've ever seen, Kel. You would love it. We'll talk about it on our movie podcast. Yeah. Um, but what it is is that they show up and they go to um, – they try to build a colony on one of these planets. And then they show up there and everything's gone. There's no people. They can't find anybody. They show up with space marines. It's one of the great – actually, I think the gun is on the wall here. So, yeah, boom, there's the gun from it right there. Ming's got all the best toys. Um but they show up and they can't find anything. It's a settlement that was built and just disappeared overnight and they have no answers. Obviously, the answer to that one was aliens. We don't know what happened to the poor people at Roanoke, mm-hmm. which Sir Walter Raleigh was implemental in uh, a major uh, influence, if you will, on making that thing happen. It is a failed colony. They still don't know what the hell happened to Roanoke, which I think is kind of terrifying. So um, did you know anything about that or no? No, just that 
he left them there happy and <laughs> I'll be right back doing guys. Their thing. <laughs> and he came back and everyone was gone. Mm-hmm. It was a couple of years later. They couldn't sail over there with the supply ships because of the first Spanish Armada. And by the way, I just learned something today too. I didn't realize there was multiple Spanish Armadas. Did not know that. Uh, my exposure to the Spanish Armada is always by uh, Chris Farley taking his shirt off in Billy Madison. But um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my favorite when Kahuna's head goes into his hands, half in joy, half in shame. Um, but all the above. Indeed, man, indeed. So uh, Sir Walter Raleigh will attempt to have a settlement in the New World. And if it had worked, you better believe the whole country is going to be named after him because instead we have to wait for Plymouth Rock, Plymouth Rock, and of which, by the way, um, on the Hazen side of the family, through your mom, uh, you guys are Mayflower descendants, yes, right? Yes, we are. Yes. You hear that, Kahuna? That's cool. Yep, Her family it's... landed on Plymouth Rock, my Aunt Sandy. I don't know where mine did. That's a... <laughs> Uh, well, it depends on which part of your family we're talking about, too. Kahuna is America. He is uh, Samoan, uh, Irish, um, Spanish, black. Um, I, I bet you – I want to do a 23 in me and see if we can break the code on you. That would be interesting. It that would, would be really cool. We'll do that. Mine came then back. I find out I'm fucking adopted. That's, oh, we're waiting for that one, too, buddy. <laughs> uh, be careful about adoption, too. My parents said that they did not have a good experience. Um, okay. but Thanks for the warning. <laughs> So interestingly enough, if you go to the new world, you can keep – You can first of all, you can further your own fortune and fame. So you're sending over the most ambitious people like cutthroat CEO types are going over there. These are legal pirates that are going over there, frontiersmen, because if you can set up a settlement over there, that's great for business. All the new trade routes, you're going to be the king of a new world to a degree uh, for the greater glory of your country that you're sailing for. Also, you can keep an eye on what the other pesky countries are up to. So imagine North America is an international space station on the moon or something and the Americans are over there and like, well, what's going on? The Russians are here too. And then they're busy fighting each other while the people that have been living on the moon the entire time are like, oh, this doesn't look good for us, does it? So it's kind of a fair way to kind of break that one down, I think. Moving in here, this one scares the shit out of me. This one actually creeped me out, Kel. When uh, Sir Walter Raleigh is finally able to send people over to investigate what happened at Roanoke. Mm-hmm. They've got no proof the settlement existed. There's a couple little tiny like buildings that are still there and stuff. Not a soul to be found. Roanoke was never there to begin with. Well, the funny thing to me is he was like, I'll be right back. And then that was like three years Mm -hmm. later. Well, he couldn't get back over because the Spanish (laughs) Armada was coming. So uh, Queen Elizabeth said, no ships can go out. We we might need literally everybody because they were, make no mistakes, they were scared shitless of Spain. And it had not been for a very convenient storm that broke down, I believe, the third Spanish Armada. Um, there's a great chance that Spain would have conquered England and Elizabeth would have been a deposed queen. So it, it literally, thank God for the shitty weather in England. <laughs> they're pretty grateful for that. So anyway, uh, this scared the shit out of me. When they finally get a guy over there to investigate everything again, he shows up and notices that on a couple of the trees, uh, Croto is uh, Crotoan is written on a couple of the trees, carved into the the bark on the side of the trees. And that, they believe, was a last-ditch SOS message to try to say, hey, it's not safe here. They don't know what was threatening them. They don't know if it was disease or no food was coming by or the Native Americans were coming through. Maybe it was a xenomorph and it was like alien this entire time, Kel. I don't know. What we do know is they carved that into the tree in Croatan Island, which I might be mispronouncing. We'll see what happens. Um <laughs> That is where they were going to attempt to move to. And then the guy who was doing the investigation to find out what happened to this fallen colony, if you will, he couldn't get through there because hurricane weather came through. And this is back in the day when it wasn't like, uh, you know, not like Florida nowadays where you can just go 
get a case of beer and camp out for a couple of days in your garage like I used to. I kind of heard on um, one tree it said red rum also. Red, <laughs> red rum. That voice actually creeps out Kahuna pretty good. So Yeah, especially when you're wearing headphones. <laughs> And it just kind of resonates in your ear. Just, you know, I'm good. We did the the knocking demons and stuff like that, too. We made a lot of sounds just to make him nervous when he's at the Smod Castle by himself. I don't fuck around with that stuff. I don't, man. He I don't s- practice Santeria. I don't got no crystal ball <laughs> for a damn good reason. Fuck them psychics. Well, uh, come 1588 now, Sir Walter Raleigh will help his beloved queen defeat the Spanish Armada. Having long been a favorite of the Virgin Queen, Raleigh's name and legend will continue to grow despite being a hero to the English, a landlord butcher to the Irish, and a pirate murderer to the Spanish. Soon enough, though, like all friendships between a man and a woman, romance enters the equation, but not in the way that you think. There were rumors, Kelly's 1,000% right, there were rumors that Sir Walter Raleigh was probably a lover of uh, Queen Elizabeth. She never married, by the way. Very smart. She was absolute. She was... Uh, she was a shark, man. She was like, well, if you could see her having her seat at Shark Tape, you know, Shark Tank or whatever, where she's like, listen, you know, what? Give me your pitch. What's your pitch? And she's sitting there, she's like, oh, what if I do a partnership with you here? She would flaunt the idea of marriage to a lot of people to keep the greater peace. But it was not, it was always like, uh, oh yeah, if you come back, you know, come back in the summer, we'll see what happens. You know, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm kind of seeing somebody right now. It's not serious though. You know, come on through. <laughs> So she's a genius that way, and they do believe there are rumors that Sir Walter Raleigh, who was a handsome guy, who was a very adventurous guy, again, showed up with tobacco for the first time. Sir Walter Raleigh is also the person who supposedly introduced the potato plant to Ireland because he was a landowner over there. So the Irish and potatoes of – it's really – it's one of the most um, offensive things you could ever say to them based off of where it came from. But the Irish just have a great sense of humor, and they're used to never winning. So that's why they're kind of easygoing with it. But – uh, the potato famine will also change all of that. But the introduction of the potato plant to Ireland had to be huge and a game changer for them. So anyway, in 1588 is uh, when this issue is going to go down over here. Romance enters the equation, but not how you guys think. Elizabeth, a.k.a. Bessie Throckmorton. That's a hell of a last name, right? Um, Bessie Throckmorton was one of Elizabeth's ladies in waiting. So to borrow, I'll, I think this will work out here for the music industry. Um, Sir Walter Raleigh's life is a lot like the music industry in America. In the 1980s, it was uh, uh, fun. Everything was done to excess. It was a lot of uh, glitter and glam. And then his uh, his 1590s are going to be like grunge. It's a lot of darkness, <laughs> a lot of uh, bad things happening here. It's not quite uh, all on the up and up. It's not Motley Crue. It's more Nirvana coming up here, folks. Okay. So, um. Sir Walter Raleigh will fall in love with Bessie Throckmorton and will marry her in secret without the knowledge or approval of Queen Elizabeth. So for to hide your marriage from the queen is one thing. To hide the fact that you're marrying one of her ladies-in-waiting, who I'm not sure if they were allowed to be married. Do you know anything about that? Um, I don't know, but Me I neither. that would be hard to hide for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you got this, you're, you're living a double life, essentially. That's kind of what it is. So um, interestingly enough... It's not going to go over so hot with Queen Elizabeth. And this is where the movies infuriated me because I believe in the movies they show Sir, the actor playing Sir Walter Raleigh and the girl playing um, Bessie Throckmorton uh, with holding like their young baby or something. And Queen Elizabeth is like playing with the baby like, oh, I'm so happy you guys found each other. That's not how it went down. 
<laughs> that is not how it went down. I wish she I had killed seen the baby. That. I've no. never Close. saw that movie. I wish I had watched. You should watch. And I, I watched the first one with my ex at the time, and then I watched the second one almost by myself because I was enraged by it. And I was like, "This do I have to? I have to debunk this whole thing." I probably wrote an accidental episode of American Loser about this topic, and it certainly was where my machinations were coming through about like if somebody just told history, you would never need a screenwriter ever again because human history has already happened in a thousand fascinating, interesting ways. I don't need anybody to punch up the life of Sir Walter Raleigh. We're just reading his Wikipedia. <laughs> so here's what winds up happening, okay? Surely Queen Elizabeth won't get mad at him for hooking up with one of her employees, right? I mean, come on. This is the man who helped save England from the Spanish Armada. He's put down rebellions in Ireland. He helped explore a new goddamn world. He named a state after her. He named he named a whole section of the country after her. After her virginity. Mm-hmm. That he probably took. <laughs> All right. He goes, hey, I took one Virginia. I'll give you another. How about that, lady? <laughs> Take so. me home, country. <laughs> um, no, wrong. She has Sir Walter Raleigh beheaded. I'm just kidding. Not yet. Um, not, yeah, but, uh, spoilers. <laughs> it's still pretty bad. Uh, she has him and Bessie sent to the Tower of London. Which uh, ain't a resort. No, sir. No, no sir. Uh, you ever seen like the mid you ever seen the photos of like old school medieval torture with the spikes and the fucking it's all from there coffins it's all from I, tower yeah. of london you got to see it in person right yeah it, it's insane the way they thought to torture people oh, what was the it what's one that freaked you well, out? the rack is so scary <laughs> <laughs> the rack um that they cut people's like contestants out and like mm -hmm. rolled them on this like, uh, like rolled them up on drawn like, and a quartered spool. yep um, after hanging them and then dragged them by horse like around. Hanged, dragged, and quartered, just like William Wallace. The best depiction of that, and that's how gross it is. Braveheart couldn't show it to you, but that's how William Wallace was killed. He was hanged, drawn, and quartered. Um, and the, the actual, the scene where they just zoom in on his eyes and they're playing the music and everything right before he screams freedom, that's actually the guy's taking his guts out. They just were literally piece by piece. Like who thinks of that? Apparently the English, but they probably learned from their cousins, the Spanish. You know what I mean? It was. Uh, I see why we left. Oh yeah. Well, it's it's gruesome. Was there anything else at the tower? Because the tower is like on my. That is. I would go to England just to see that. Well, it's enormous, and I think there's some places in it that are almost like apartments. And I think Sir Walter Raleigh probably had like one of the bigger. He went to the Tower of London. This time was bad. This first time was bad. Uh, and I'm, I'm giving a little bit of the story away. He's going to go back. But the second time he goes back, he goes back to like Goodfellas jail. Kind yeah, of thing where okay. They're all hanging out together, slicing up garlic. You know? Yeah, like he planted a garden there. And oh, <laughs> he had a pretty because he, he was he's already famous at this point. Now he's he's going to get even more famous here shortly. But he's one of the queen's favorites. But now he's hooking up one of the queen's ladies in waiting. And hid it from her. So that's obviously bad. And Elizabeth is a little bit upset about this, possibly because she lost her lover now or whatever. But, you know, we'll see what's going to happen over here. But her, I'm sorry. So Bessie and uh, Sir Walter Raleigh are in the Tower of London. And after a summer away, I think it was June to like August that he was in there. He's uh, locked up in the tower. Sir Walter Raleigh experienced the action hero trope of someone saying, get me Sir Walter Raleigh. It's going to happen. <laughs> so they wind up making that's a phone dope. call. They need him. So he gets released from the tower in order to handle some pirate-like affairs for the queen against, of course, the Catholic Spanish. So before he could attack Spain, though, the fleet was recalled. 
but in classic Sir Walter Raleigh fashion, this guy, he was cool. He was very cool, very smooth, um, elegant guy, very sharp dresser too, by the way. He would have been prior to you know, marrying uh, Elizabeth Throckmorton in secrecy, one of the most eligible bachelors in all of uh, England high society. I heard he had a really cool beard too. Did you read about it is a his cool beard. beard? What did you know about the that beard? That it like sticks up. It grows out and up. He's got, it looks like... Um, it's a cool looking beard. I'll, we'll see if uh, I'll get Kahuna to bring up a picture of it here later. But uh, he's got a uh, it is a cool beard. It's perfectly he's got the envy of every hipster in Williamsburg, Brooklyn right now. Or uh, shout out to uh, Noel down in. Uh, oh, he's got Philly. the Shakespeare going on. Shakespeare. Is that what you just said? <laughs> it is a funky beard. And I think he wears an earring and stuff like that, too. He's kind of like a classy pirate is kind of the vibe that he's going for here. He's a state-sanctioned pirate, too. But handsome guy, tall guy. And by the way, tall back then could have just meant 5'5". Five five. But <laughs> anyway, um, just kidding, but it's still pretty pretty bad over here. He does get released uh, in order to handle this stuff going on here. And the luck that befalls him is pretty tremendous. That fleet that he's about to lead against the Spanish gets recalled by the queen herself. But before that order can even be properly executed, he winds up in classic Sir Walter fashion, being able to acquire a huge victory when he gets his hands on a Spanish ship known as the Madre de Mayas, also known as the Mother of God is the name of the ship. As, as in how much gold did that thing carry? All of it. Mother of God a lot. <laughs> so, um, How he, much gold? Yes. He got he got a ton of it, man. It was a, a major, major victory for him. And by the way, that's like, hey, we sent out Sir Walter every time. This guy just gets results. That's what it is. It's um, he is it's ugly, but he's a force of nature. So, are we gonna say something? I don't want to interrupt you. No, I just heard that like there were many times where he wanted to go on a trip and she wouldn't let him mm -hmm. go. He's successful all the time and probably would have failed miserably on a couple of his other ideas because we're about to get into the thing you're kind of hinting at, which um, excellent storytelling too, by the way, Kelly. You can tell. You can tell that she's a good writer. Um, so that gets him out of the tower. At least he has to go back into the tower for a hot minute, I think, when he first gets back. But the victory is so successful. It's going to take him a couple of years to win back his stock with the queen, if you will. But it works out for him here. What winds up happening is that he even gets himself a seat in parliament. So he is now, imagine this. Imagine if the guy who is a literal pirate that you saw behead your own friends in Ireland, <laughs> um, you now find out that not only is your landlord, but he's also part of the parliament and he's representing you in government. You're like, what? This is an ins... It's like when you find out a corporation owns the corporation that is in defiance of the corporation. So Ah, Ticketmaster. Indeed, indeed. I was going to say Pfizer, but go for it. Um <laughs> During his uh, this time in his life, Sir Walter Raleigh will continue to explore and help introduce tobacco for smoking to England. There's actually a hilarious photo of him, the first pipe that he ever smoked in England. Uh, the pipe runs the length of this room, Kel. So it would probably I'm not going to it would it would definitely touch the red box that Kahuna keeps all the sound equipment in. But it's a pipe that you would literally like it would have to be somebody would light the pipe and then you would try to draw on it for to get the tobacco out of it. It looks like he's smoking a bong. It's pretty much what it is. But uh, Sir Walter Raleigh is, you know, he's the guy who kind of brought tobacco in. So it's interesting, too, because he names Raleigh, North Carolina. And what do we know about the Carolinas? That is Tobacco Row down there. All the pretty much every all the tobacco consumed by the United States, uh, a lot of it comes from that area. So interestingly enough, like we said, uh, the 90s have been a little bit rough on him over here. But from 19, from 1596 to 1603, Sir Walter Raleigh will enjoy seeing his name back in good standing and his adventures are growing exponentially. Kelly kind of alluded to this earlier, Kahuna. Guess what he tried to go after? He wanted to launch what would have been an ill-fated voyage to discover El Dorado. 
the lost city of gold. Ooh, okay. C correct. Um, so what winds up happening is uh, he wants to go after this. He's reading the Spanish legends about this city of gold that Montezuma kind of uh, talked about to Cortez. He's like, well, if I can come up with that treasure, he goes, I'm already a pretty famous guy, but this is how you get yourself put on, you know, I'm going to borrow for lack of a better term. You'll see it's a bad context, but uh, this gets me on the Mount Rushmore of killer, you know, people from England. This would yeah. be my, this is my Indiana Jones moment. They're so. going to name the Tower of London after you. Bro. Oh, exactly. He goes, the tower will become my apartment at that point. This, <laughs> this is how you become. We're uh, moving on up. Oh, this is this is his. If he can come back with that, I don't think anybody would argue if he didn't you know, make himself part of, the, part of the monarchy at that point. There's also a part of the story that we should uh, emphasize, the mythical lost city. Correct. <laughs> it's actually the, the thing that he read was later debunked as part of the myth itself. So that's like you reading a Greek myth and saying like, all right, I found I was watching this documentary the other day. Oh, no. <laughs> so we all know there's no such thing as bad documentaries. Jesus Christ. Um, but anyway, uh, interestingly enough, Queen Elizabeth saves him from himself, like Kelly was saying here, and uh, he does not go after El Dorado. So instead, he's going to wind up visiting Venezuela. He also visits modern-day Guyana and, like Kelly said as well originally, becomes the governor of Jersey. <laughs> the Jersey Islands, though. At this point, he is Sir Walter the Situation. <laughs> so now the year – to give you a timestamp, Kahuna. <laughs> he's mad about that one. That's a, I wish, Kahuna, I, at some point I'm going to give you – our next project is going to involve an electric dog collar. So we're going to have some fun with that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> by 1603, our boy Sir Walter is now back in full stride. All right. He's like Matthew Wilder. He's having a good time over there. His good name is restored. His good fortunes are flowing. He is a lord. Get this in several different countries. He is a lord in England. He is a lord in Ireland. He's also a lord, I believe, uh, in Venezuela. And then also he, he's considered uh, part of the ruling class, if you will, uh, over in the Carolinas. So I think that's four different places on multiple continents that he's considered, you know, a, a higher up, if you will. So not bad. Pretty ambitious guy over here. He has escaped, by the way, a fate in the Tower of London, made it back into the arms of his loving wife, who, by the way, if you want to talk about um, a ride or die, did you get into her? what happens to her in the later part of her life? Um, I don't think so. She is. Oh, oh, oh yeah. She is almost a little too, a little too loyal, wouldn't you say? We'll do yeah. some foreshadowing for now. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the year is 1603 over here, and Sir Walter Raleigh's charmed years of his life are unfortunately coming to an end here. James I is now seated on the throne because Elizabeth has passed away. So the Elizabethan era effectively is over. And Tudor's done. Mm -hmm. She was the last Tudor, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Insane to me. That's that why she should have gotten married and had children. The tutors could have. You got to have a legacy. We try on. to tell these people, yeah. you know, they don't want to know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's unfortunate too. A lot of bad things are going to happen here. So she was so righteously popular as were the tutors, but they also had their detractors. So now James the first is sitting on the throne here who is not a tutor, as you said. He's from Scotland. He's from Scotland. So there's going to be this idea, this beef right now, where it's like, well, he's he's really not an Englishman. He's not a Briton. He's not an Anglo or a Saxon. He's a Scot. And that's going to come into his, well, are they susceptible to becoming Catholic again? Because we've had a lot of problems with that over here. So again, it's about, uh, get this one, Kel. You've never heard this before in the last two years. Uh, undermining the legitimacy of a regime change. Mm -hmm. Huh? Huh? It's always there. It's always there. So it always does because people don't uh, study it. So anyway, um, to get us to the point over here, 
Sir Walter Raleigh is considered part of this old guard that they're like the, the people who are the Tudor fans, if you will, are sitting there and they're like, well, what are we going to do? We need to get uh, some sort of representation back in government. I don't recognize not my king of England. You know what I mean? They're doing all that stuff. <laughs> oh, shit. Make England great again. So it's all <laughs> happening here. And what winds up coming into it is that uh, Sir Walter Raleigh, he actually gets named. They're very afraid of him, by the way, too. James himself. King James is afraid of Sir Walter Raleigh because he's too popular. Queen Anon? It's close. <laughs> so uh, he's extremely popular. And uh, not that they think that he might lead an uprising, that if he drew his sword, um, it might be a, a Robert E. Lee type thing where it's like, oh, well, he can't go against Virginia. You know what I mean? He can't go against the Virgin Queen. So uh, this idea that they have to be careful with him, he actually gets uh, exposed as part a part conspirator in something known as the main plot. Did you know anything about that, Keller? I skimmed over it for the episode. I don't think so. So the main plot was a plot, if you will, to overthrow um, the regime. And uh, in it, they named a couple of different witnesses. The evidence against Sir Walter Raleigh was flimsy at best, but get a load of this one because he's Sir Walter Raleigh and he does everything his own way. Um, they bring him up on these charges and he knows he's innocent. So he goes, oh, I'd, I'd really like my accuser to step forward and also be examined um, by the, the on the stand here. Bring him up. Uh -oh. Guess what that does? That sets a precedent if you will, that now uh, you have the right, if you are the accused, to confront your oh. accuser. So you have Sir Walter Raleigh to thank for that, because otherwise it was just hearsay and like a rumor, blah, blah, blah. Whoa. Oh, I have a letter that I, uh, I I have that says that he was involved with this. Well, where do you get the letter? Well, he doesn't want to know, but the letter's what's going to kill me. So let's get him on the stand. He'll tell you how he came, you know, got his hands on this letter. And that's when it all fell apart. So we owe Sir Walter Raleigh that to a reform for the British legal system, which, of course, we adopted in America as ours. So wow. next time you get to confront your accuser, thank the guy who named Virginia. Um, <laughs> but anyhow, uh, he does get convicted, though. It's interesting here. Sir Walter Raleigh, this, this main plot, by the way, was going to have him replaced with uh, Lady Arbella Stuart, who would have been of the Stuart dynasty, the Stuart uh, house name, if you will. So that that's another, it's a lot of Targaryen, Stark kind of nonsense here, but it is what it is. That's England, baby. Sir Walter Raleigh is arrested and beheaded. Sorry, not yet. Um, <laughs> he winds up back in the Tower of London, second tour, second tour at the Tower of London over here, folks. Turns um, over to the other guy first time. He's back, <laughs> baby. He's back. So uh, he's now in here. And uh, while he's in it this time, this is what we were talking about earlier, Kel, where he is going to be. Um, this is his chopping garlic, playing poker with the guys stay in the Tower of London because the king commutes his death sentence. And he goes, I can't kill Sir Walter Raleigh because I'm already not popular. I don't need people. I don't need to lionize this guy and have people trying to draw their swords in his honor. So he politely goes, you and your wife are going to be moved into government housing, also known as the Tower of London. You can bring your servants with you. You'll have everything you ever need. Um, instead, all I ask is like, maybe you write like uh, all you know about, you know, the new world and stuff like that into a book. What's he call the book, Kahuna? History of the world. No. Stolen by Mel Brooks and turned into a comedy. But The true part one. <laughs> So anyway, what winds up happening is that he writes that book and then the, the prince doesn't like it. The king, rather, he doesn't like it because uh, he downplays the involvement of the royalty. So he's trying to give you real history. And I'm like, well, you didn't talk about the royals enough. Yeah, because I'm trying to tell you what actually happened, not what the royals want us to know. So he's even as a writer, he's going against the establishment over here. Raleigh will be put on trial. And like I said, he gets uh, away with this over here. So now he's living over in the, the England. King James's uh, grip on England is contentious at best. So the worst political move he could have made would have been to have him killed because that would have just made everybody rise up against him. 
So instead, he's chilling in the Tower of London now with his wife and his kids. And his garden. And his garden. <laughs> the fact that he had a garden in his own pr- – that should tell you a lot of things, you know? It's a – I just pictured <laughs> a sign next to the garden that says Brooks was here. Um, <laughs> Sir Walter Raleigh would live in the tower from 1603 to 1616. He was released again for, as you guessed it, more issues with Spain. Hey, Spain's being a problem again. You know, get me Sir Walter Raleigh. Like they keep him on the bench. They really do. They just, <laughs> snake he's, he's the cleanup hitter. He's Snake Plissken, man. <laughs> so James is attempting to make peace with Spain at this time, but the English needed a victory on the exploration front. So they called into action their version of a superhero, and they will send Sir Walter Raleigh to South America to look for more lost cities of gold. Escape from El Dorado. <laughs> it really, John Carpenter. It's close. I would listen to that soundtrack in a heartbeat. Um, during a tense confrontation, by the way, Sir Walter Raleigh's men will raid, and I don't believe Sir Walter Raleigh was there himself. I believe it was the guy he put in charge, and they probably had firm orders like, hey, guys, we're only here. We don't draw our swords unless we absolutely have to. Um, they're trying to deal with a, you know, a whole uh, uh, use of force equilibrium or whatever you want to call it. And uh, unfortunately, the guy he puts in charge of this winds up raiding uh, a Spanish encampment, if you will, and they kill a bunch of Spanish soldiers over there. Now, when word of this during peace talks between James and the king of Spain at the time, uh, during this issue that's going on over here, uh, Sir Walter Raleigh actually gets thrown on the, uh, the funeral pyre, if you will. He is a, a casualty of war. They're going to take him, and James is going to say, listen, I'm trying to work out peace with this guy. You just killed a couple of his soldiers. Sir Walter, I pardoned you once. You were found guilty of trying to overthrow me and the throne. Now, what I'm going to have done now is I'm actually going to have you uh, beheaded. Finally, we're going to – that old sense I had commuted, Don't boom. Don't think he was set up for that? Absolutely, which is so weird because guess what Sir Walter Raleigh does, Kahuna? He handles it like Sir Walter Raleigh would, and they say, all right, so uh, you got to come back to England so that we can execute you. What would you do, Kahuna? Run. Sir Walter Raleigh goes, all right, I got to go back to England and get beheaded, guys. I'll see you in a little bit, all right? I'll see you in a little bit. Yep. They, like, sent him and said you can't even, like, t- step foot on land. I don't mm-hmm. remember what the rule was, but it, oh, seemed, it, was, it was very suspicious. It seemed like he was set up where it was impossible mm-hmm. for him to not do this, whatever they told him they couldn't do. And now it's, like, a good reason to behead him without... Yeah, he got the uproar that will come. He definitely should not have been scapegoated like he was. And then they're going to execute him. And then they were nervous because, again, he could overthrow. All he would have to do is say, Sir Walter Raleigh demands, you know, in honor of our beloved Queen Elizabeth, stand with me and we'll overthrow the Scottish king. And he probably could have done it. He probably could have been a true insurrectionist. Um, what winds up happening instead is that now, because Sir Walter has caused too much trouble for his life to be spared again, he will now finally be legitimately ordered to be beheaded. Okay, Uh, Sir Walter Raleigh will be executed via beheading in 1616 in Westminster, uh, the place, not the dog show, Kahuna. Get your head out of your ass. Uh, Just picture a cocker spaniel pushing around a severed head. (laughs) Worst episode of the Puppy Bowl yet. (laughs) Raleigh turned himself over with no fight and agreed that justice should be served and his beheading was indeed justice. But of course, he has to do it in Sir Walter Raleigh fashion. He's going to be dressed to the nines when he goes out. Imagine showing up for the electric chair, Kahuna, and you're wearing a perfect tuxedo. I would do it. Kind of the move. He's lucky they let him because sometimes they would just shave their heads and make them wear like a white 
robe totally. and they it's so tense this whole moment in time too because they had to they're like listen we're going to cut your head off but we want to do it with dignity because we don't want you upset mm-hmm. so they let him do that they didn't shave his head they didn't spit on him nobody was throwing food at mm-hmm. him massive crowd showed up if you were a nobleman you were on your horse so you could see right people are all hanging out there religions of all sorts are coming together to watch this one this is one of the most famous people in british history he's about to be beheaded by the king so what's he wind up doing he turns himself over with no fight he actually asks for his execution to be public, and then he asks to give a speech to the crowd so he could address his final words in a 25-minute speech. <laughs> that is a feature set. That's how much time you guys saw me do at the wine bar while I was screaming at all those drunks because Chris Covert forgot not to serve alcohol in the bar during the back of a comedy show. More access to grind for another day. Mm-hmm. Um King James is very happy because the speech that Sir Walter gives is not a fiery insurrectionist one. He winds up making peace with a lot of things. He calls in the favor of God, which is strange because they thought he was an atheist for the longest time. Sir Walter Raleigh showed up dressed to the nines and joked with his executioner that the axe is sharp medicine, but certainly could cure all ails. When he was offered a blindfold, Sir Walter Raleigh refused and said it wasn't the shadow of the blade he was afraid of, which I thought was a great line. Yeah. Um, Upon his beheading, Kelly, you know about this, so we're wrapping up. This is the last thing we're going to say here, Cahoons. Um, Upon his beheading, what happens to Sir Walter Raleigh? I actually don't know the details of that because I wanted to learn from you. Give me the the loosest interpretation of it and I'll fill in all the blanks. Well, I just know like sometimes things go wrong with beheadings. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I know that I think Thomas Cromwell maybe, like they purposefully got his executioner drunk. So that when he, you know, went to cut his head off, he, he had like took like three times. Yep. So I know so that Walter some, Raleigh was two, two whacks of the axe. Yeah. So I know that things can go wrong and I know something went wrong, but I don't know the details. If you had a good executioner, it would take one to one. two. Yes. Yeah. A really skilled executioner could do it in one. That's if they liked you, they wanted to give you an honorable. Yeah. Day. They want. Yeah. Sometimes they let you even request which executioner you wanted oh, yeah. to <laughs> have. Which blows Take my mind. Take Here's our menu. I've always said if I was going to be executed, I want to be the electric chair, and I would want a man dressed up as Elmo to pull the uh, switch. <laughs> I got you, kid. Uh, I have plans. I have plans. You'll start looking like Elmo, and then as soon as the voltage hits Donnie Darko. Um, but anyway, uh, Sir Walter Raleigh gets beheaded. Takes two whacks for him. All right, he's funny. He's charming in his final speech here. Even the executioner asked for forgiveness before he chopped his head off. And... Interestingly enough, uh, remember we talked about his ride or die wife earlier? This part you read about a little bit, I know. Bessie was a ride or die kahuna. You got to find yourself a girl like Bessie Mm -hmm. because when his severed head, if you were a bad guy back in the day, especially an insurrectionist, especially like William Wallace, you put a severed head on a pike. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's an example. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like King Joffrey. Now, what happens with Sir Walter Raleigh? They don't do that to him. They realize if you put Sir Walter Raleigh's head on the Bridge of London, that chances are people are going to be pissed off about that and you're going to have to deal with some stuff. So what winds up happening is in order to soften the blow of the fact that they just chopped your husband's head off, they embalmed just his head, Kahuna, and they sent it back to his wife. So, And that was done as a gesture of kindness. Kahuna, if I gave you your mother's severed head. Let's not and say we did. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So what they do is they send this uh, severed head of Sir Walter Raleigh back to his wife, Bessie, and she's going to live for 29 more years, by the way, folks. She's going to live 29 more years longer than him. And guess what? Uh, she keeps the head with her at all times. 
Really? In a red velvet bag. So when she goes out for groceries, she's got this. Exactly. It's uh, what's in the bag? Oh, my husband. <laughs> it's the, you know, uh, guys refer to their uh, their wives as the old ball and chains. Um, she probably was referred to her husband as, oh yeah, the old red velvet bag over here. You know, just. <laughs> she so carried... after she died, did they find his head? His head's the... made a uh, a couple of interesting journeys. His family's house, the last it was last photographed in the 1800s before it was demolished, but. Um, one of his old estates, they actually found a red velvet bag in the upstairs attic, and they were nervous because they couldn't tell if it was velvet or leather. It uh, depends on which version of the story you're hearing. But they were trying to figure out if that was, in fact, the bag that his head was in. And I believe one of her dying wishes when she passed away 29 years after he was executed was for his head to finally then be placed back with the rest of his body, buried at their family bur- uh, cemetery, if you will. So... Um, She's like, hey, we're going to hang out for a little while while I'm around. Exactly. I'm going to keep you around. It's like, uh, hey, uh, imagine sending a drink over to her and she just lifts up her dead husband's head. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. There's some people that would be horrified. And unfortunately, a subset of the population would probably be turned on. So, um, But that was what happened to our boy, uh, Sir Walter Raleigh here. Kel, do you have anything you want to say on the way out? I'm so happy to see you, lady. No, I mean, this was definitely fun and I learned a lot. (laughs) I I, I learned things that I had well, it was. No I wanted to bring you on too because you've been there and you've seen some of this stuff. You technically toured, like you said, one of his apartments, the Tower of London, where he lived twice in his life. Yeah, Tower so. of London's cool. We spent a whole day there. If you had to sell it to people right now, to the mm-hmm. listeners, because we do have some UK listeners. Well, Kuna, think about this too. In the meantime, who would you cast in the movie, Sir Walter, Sir, first Sir Walter Raleigh? Because Kelly thought up one as well. Wow, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> it's cheating. What if that was Kelly's? Was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only thought I only thought of him because I was looking at the outfit before and he had a similar getup in this one movie I saw him in and he looked dead. Are you talking about Black no Blackbeard from the Pan movie? Yeah. It does it, did you see that? The no. Pan movie they made recently? Uh Coon's gonna pull up a picture of it, but um here we go. That's kind of what he was going for. It fits. Definitely. And Hugh Jackman can do anything too, unfortunately. Say what you will about the movie. Sir Walter Raleigh's musical version. I would watch that. I really would watch that, actually. So Tower of London, that's a full day when you're over there. Oh, yeah. There's so many buildings there, and the the jewels are there, like the, the royal jewels, the all the crowns jewels and everything. Yeah. Gr- Grammy said we were her jewels, though. <laughs> yeah, the crown jewels. Megan's the only listener who's going to understand that. <laughs> um. And they're pretty. They're they're cool with Americans coming over there and wanting to learn the history and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. They seem to like us. All right, that's good. We have you. I will at some point. I will do comedy over in England. That's a promise. So it was already talked about a little bit. Oh wow! Can I come? I would love that. Yeah, I really would. Along for that. Um, yeah, the uh, uh, I almost did it in Ireland first. I was going to go with um, an ex girlfriend who's TikTok famous now. Uh, Kahuna knows that story, um, but uh, she's too famous for me. So anyway. Um, Anything else you want to say on the way out? No, I don't think so. You sure? You you are a huge part of the start of this show, too. I hope you realize uh, that's that. that's cool. You, you're, I mean, I, I'm serious, though. That's cool. <laughs> uh, well, folks, we're going to wrap this sucker up. So you know the deal. Again, this episode's coming out. This is our 201st episode. So it's coming out the, uh, the shortly after our final, uh, not final, but our big announcement, if you will. Um, you guys are going to see a couple of things going on over there. We're excited. We love you. We wanted to bring uh, Cousin Kelly on again here because she was a part of uh, a couple of the biggest episodes we ever did. Um, again, Charles J. Gateau is, I think, one of the iconic things that we've covered on this show. 
So I'm happy to have you back, lady. It was so much fun. Again, you've been to where half this story takes place, too, which is interesting. And then I've we'll... been to Jersey. <laughs> the actual Jersey <laughs> channel? Have you been? No, there? no, 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 no. I don't think I anybody thought goes. that was so funny that he was the governor of Jersey. I just picture him driving around in a that's suburban. That's why you chose him as a subject. It was very, sometimes we we pick it so we can uh, <laughs> sneak that in, and other times we just don't and have to. he's a super interesting guy. Like, he's, he's the worth man. the North American loser. The, uh, and we do these when my dad's not around, too, because he gets too um, xenophobic, um, which is a good thing, some people would say. So that was perfect then. Oh. All right. I think we nailed it here, folks. Kahuna, anything you want to say to the listeners on the way out? I'm looking forward to what we have next. We do have some good stuff coming up here, folks. Um, loser lives on in many different forms. So life is good. I want to say thank you. Shout out to Ming over to Shared Universe for taking care of us here. Thank you to the big kahuna for uh, helping us out today. I know you got to go play with Kevin Smith over in the clerk's world, but you still make time for the little people like me. So, and uh, also one last final shout out to Death Wish Coffee. Thank you so much for sending this particular bag of coffee over for me from the people at Death Wish Coffee. Definitely not something I took from Ming because he wasn't paying attention. That being said, I love all you guys. <laughs> Follow me over on uh, at KP Burke sucks over on the Instagram. We're trying to get up over. Uh, uh, I'm, you'll see the next number we're working towards over there for followers. Please check out Escape from Jacksonville. It is uh, my first and at it's this moment only. Very funny. Everyone should watch you're, that. You're the best. The uh, I wish we could have snuck you over there too, just because you could see where Clerks and uh, uh, so many of the other Kevin Smith stuff was filmed over there. Because your sister Erin said the funniest thing when she walked out of the late show. She just goes, uh, I, you know, people are telling me, oh, that was great. That was so funny, man. So proud of you. And Erin just goes, I want to go home and watch Chasing Amy now. Cahoons, <laughs> so, um, you're the best. You already know what announcements are coming out here. This is the 201st episode of American Loser. I want to say thank you to my cousin Kelly for coming in back onto the show. Thank you to Kahuna. Thank you to Ming. Again, hit me up. It's Escape from Jacksonville over on YouTube. Leave a comment, say American Loser, so I know it's you guys. It's not my video, so I can't control the comments on it. And follow me over at Instagram, at KB Burke Sucks. Lots of road shows coming up. But guys, that was Sir Walter Raleigh, North American Loser. <laughs> An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born. Can loser the day I was born.